the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan. Let's go the distance by keeping our distance. Nissan, innovation that excites. Well, now on the hard shoulder, we want to return to the issue of cancer. A cancer diagnosis is a frightening experience, but for a parent, a significant additional worry is what to tell the children. When, how much and so on. The ARC, that's A-R-C, Cancer Support Centre, is hosting a free Zoom talk this Wednesday to help parents feel as confident and as comfortable as possible in talking to the children about the diagnosis and what it will mean for the family. In a moment, I'm going to speak to Sarah uh, Hakim, uh, who was diagnosed with an aggressive form of breast cancer two years ago. But first, I'm joined by Yvonne O'Mara, systemic um, psychotherapist and senior medical social worker with our Ladies Hospice and Care Service at Harold's Cross. You're both most welcome to the programme. Uh, Yvonne, first of all, tell us about this talk. What will it cover? Uh, Hello, Ivan, and thanks so much for having me on the show today. Uh, So the talk will cover a number of things. It will firstly, I suppose, explore um, why parents make the decision not to talk and why parents make the decision to talk. It will explore the benefits of talking and how to talk to your child, what to talk about and what children, what do they want to know. First of all, let's just talk about how people can, if they want to take a note of this. It's a Zoom talk. It's taking place on Wednesday, the 27th of May at 2.30pm. And you can access this by emailing linda at, and you might want to write this down, it's all one word, uh, lowercase, arc, that's A-R-C, cancer, all one word, arccancersupport.ie. That's all one word, arccancersupport.ie. And you can then, it'll give you instructions how you can get this free of charge. And we'll come to the fundraising in in a moment. So I I would have thought, Yvonne, that one size does not fit all here. And so far as what you tell a five-year-old is different to what you tell a 15-year-old. What story you might tell and how much you would tell might depend on what the prognosis was. So what are the constants, first of all? So you're right. Um, There's lots of variables um, within uh, a family and there's lots of variables how we communicate with our our family, irrespective of age, just maybe depending on our relationships or that. But the common um, thread that I would always invite those that I work with um, and in talks like this is firstly to look at your own story to look at your own family tree and see when you were a child, how was illness or death and dying, cancer, whether it was heart disease or, or a, um, a hematological uh, diagnosis, how were they handled um, uh, by your um, parents as a child growing up? Was it spoken about? Was it not? And what was your experience of that? And how does that influence where you are when you begin to think about considering talking to your children? Because we would always say, um, Ivan, that the parent that decides to talk and the parent that doesn't decide to talk, they both equally love their children. But what we do know, irrespective of where uh, a person with the cancer is on the disease trajectory, it is always better to include the child. It is always better to keep them in the loop because that is protecting the child. You're right with regards age difference. So would you put a 12-year-old with a 5-year-old breaking the news to them? Probably not. 
Um, but what I would say is that each family is different and maybe the seven-year-old displays more maturity than the 11-year-old. But the parents are the expert when it comes to that. And I will go into the specifics of that in the talk. But what I would say is that, first of all, it's really important that the parents have a good insight themselves into the cancer, that they have a good understanding. And once that's established, think about why are you not telling them and think about the benefits of telling them. Number one, what we all want as parents is that our children come and talk to us about anything. By telling them about the illness, you're deepening the relationship, you're deepening that trust. You're also normalizing that sometimes things in life are sad and that cancer can, can make people sad or they can make people sick. But cancer isn't a scary word for a three-year-old. So I would always establish what has the child been exposed to? What's their understanding of cancer? Keeping a secret can be exhausting. And I've met parents over the years that have kept cancer under the, their, their, uh, away from their children. And it is absolutely so time-consuming. That's the last thing that a parent who's undergoing treatment needs to be doing is concealing a secret like that. It's absolutely exhausting. And children are incredibly intuitive. And what we don't want we don't want our children becoming detectives. We want them to be able to come to us and ask us about anything. Have faith in your child's ability to cope and let other systems know. So, for example, the wider community, whether it's school or sports, so that they can have a separate lens uh, to keep an eye out on your child. And you can't stop your child from feeling sad, but you can educate them that it's a normal part of life and you can absolutely support them in that. So it sounds... To me, your top line advice is full and frank disclosure, full transparency. Is that your, that's your guiding star in this, is it? Absolutely. So even if um, a five-year-old has never heard of cancer, you use the word cancer. You avoid using lumps and bumps and tumours because they're confusing for a child. You use the word cancer and you explain it in as layman terms as you can, what cancer means to them. And there are lots of support, and I'll have that again in the, web, in, in the, uh, the talk, um, where you can get supports around that. But you use, um, you use the word and then you deconstruct the word. Then you take it apart and explain it, how it impacts mommy, how it impacts daddy, how it impacts the grandparent. Um, because children are, once they're over, they overcome that, children are most concerned, how will their routine be upset? How does this impact me? Will I be able to do X, Y, and Z? Will I be able to go to my play date? Will I be able to... So children can very quickly snap out of it, but they want a sense of normality. The same way as, as the parent who's unwell, they want their norm back. Children are like that. Mm. My own experience is that there's two levels. Kids are the most, you know, granny's going to die. As a matter of fact, okay, that's grand, and they go out and play ball. So they can assimilate it. Okay, that's information I need to know. But the emotion of it and all is something that they could 10 years ago only grapple with. Is that a fair comment? Absolutely, Ivan. Yes, for sure. And as they evolve, they're very different uh, emotionally. We are the mentors um, of our children emotionally. So how we are, they will learn from us. But you're right. They go from extreme sad to extreme happy within a matter of minutes after, for example, as you've said, maybe a potential bereavement in the family that they can, because they cannot cope it, it is too much and this is their way of release. So the usual methods of communicating what we would as adults do, what we're doing right now is talking. With children, they communicate in art, they communicate in crafts. So often I would encourage parents when they have uh, 
told some significant news, in a couple of days' time, ask the child to draw a picture of the news that, that, that was discussed or draw a picture of the family and see do they translate what's been, what's been explained on paper because that's their language or certainly part of, of, of their language. OK, stay with me, Yvonne. Now, it's a pleasure to welcome Sarah Hakim from Dublin who has uh, four young boys and she was diagnosed with breast cancer, an aggressive form of breast cancer, a couple of years ago. Sarah, tell us your story. First of all, your clinical story. Well, um, hello, Ivan. Um, Yes, I was diagnosed with breast cancer uh, almost two years ago now, in May 2018. Um, And um, it came as a big surprise to me. I had detected a really small lump. Um, I really didn't think um, it was going to be anything. But anyway, I went along to... Uh, my GP who sent me off to the breast clinic and I went along to the breast clinic um, and I in fact remember going and saying to people at work oh, I'll be back in an hour thinking I'd be in and out anyway that wasn't the, the case um, I had an assessment that day um, and as part of this assessment I had um, an ultrasound and it was then that they'd see saw um, uh, the cancer and so they said to me almost immediately we, we've seen something we, we don't like the look of it and then they started to use the word cancer. Um, they took a biopsy and they told me to come back two weeks later. Um, and for two weeks, they, they were the longest two weeks of my life where I, while I was waiting for confirmation um, of the bio, from the biopsy. Um, and it was a really difficult time because I, uh, I knew that um, this could completely shake up my family's world um, and that it would have an impact potentially on the children. And that really frightened me. Um, so, um, and uh, for about two weeks and a bit longer, to be honest, um, I, I found it quite hard to function. Um, I remember just spending a lot of time sitting on my phone playing solitaire because it was about as much engagement as I could deal with. Um, anyway, so I went back to the hospital two weeks later and uh, they did confirm it. And it was at that point that uh, one of the nurses in the breast clinic um, spoke to me about speaking to the children. And she had asked me, had I thought about it? Uh, I had told her that, yes, I had. Um, And she really encouraged me to speak to them as soon as possible um, about my diagnosis. Um, She underlined to me that it would be really difficult for me to hide um, because things would start changing um, from my appearance and that I would lose my hair and I would start to look unwell. Um, And just, you know... um, that it would just be very hard to maintain that. And in fact, you know, I'd been behaving strangely at home, sitting in the chair, playing solitaire for two weeks anyway. Um, <clears throat> so um, we decided that we would tell the children quite quickly and um, added to that. Um, we also came with the knowledge that um, something similar had happened to some good friends of ours um, previously. And in fact, I... Um, a friend had lost his life, um, and they had to tell the children before he died um, from cancer. And also in our house, um, the the kids had lost a grandfather two years previously um, to cancer. And cancer was a word that they were familiar with, and it wasn't necessarily always um, a good word. So we had to find a way to speak to them about it, to let them know about it, and let them know that I was going to be okay. Um, and I was in the really fortunate position that I knew I I hoped that I would be okay, um, because although I had an aggressive form of breast cancer, I was told it was very treatable and that I was lucky 
had got it early and so on. Um, and so a week after uh, the breast cancer was diagnosed, um, we sat them down one Saturday at lunchtime. We'd made sure all the day's activities were out of the way, so football was done, the shopping was done, and so on. And we sat around the table, and we we basically told them in kind of very gentle words that um, I'd found a lump, I might be into the hospital, and the doctors had said they had found breast cancer. Um, and it was a really, really difficult moment because in my head I thought that their world was going to come crashing round and down around, around them and, and so on. But actually they took it really well and they all took it very differently. Um, my eldest boy, who was 13 at the time, got up from the table, uh, he cleared the table, stacked the dishwasher and then said he was going to go and do his homework, which is kind of unheard of. Uh, my next boy who was 11 at the time became really upset and I had to spend some time consoling him and letting him know that I would, we hoped, we would, that I would be fine. Um, I didn't make any promises I couldn't keep, so I never once said to them, I will survive, absolutely. But I did say to them, look, I really hoped that we hoped and we had every chance that it would work out really well. Um, and then uh, I have 10-year-old, uh, sorry, my twins who were then eight years old, um, one of them kind of became very quiet and uh, quite thoughtful and he started to ask a lot of questions um, and I could see he was just processing everything and just needed to ask lots of questions about what the treatment was going to be like and what was chemotherapy and all of that kind of thing. And then my other twin, who's the youngest of the twins, the, the baby of the house, he just sat on my lap for about an hour and hugged me. Um, um, but yes, kids do bounce back quite quickly. And within half an hour, the, the key thing that they were really worried about was that um, was that we told them that we wouldn't be going on our family holiday to Italy. And so they were really upset about that. And uh, they just wanted to know when was, when was the next step. And, and as each step along hmm. the treatment road yes. and, and today, yes. in terms of prognosis, have you been equally upfront with them? Yes, at every stage. Um, we have done, yes. Um, I just felt it was really important for us to do that, um, to just have them on the same page um, as me. Um, and I even there was points um, during my treatment when really I was so unwell, because um, so unwell, so tired, so nauseous, that it was really very difficult for me to kind of function on a basic level. So for me to pretend that I wasn't as unwell as I was would have been, for me, almost impossible. So I had to be really frank with them as to what was happening because I needed them on board. I needed them to understand what was going on so that we could keep some semblance of the family functioning. And have you made a full recovery? I have, yes, thankfully. Um, I'm still, um, uh, I still go for checkups um, and so on, but my treatment is all... It's all finished. I'm on a drug for the next five years um, um, called tamoxifen, but that's a kind of standard post-treatment drug for a lot of women who experience breast, breast cancer. Um, but um, my and you use the services of sorry, you're in good. You, your mammogram has been postponed. I understand. Yeah, yeah. So your aftercare is a little bit of an issue with mm. the COVID situation, yeah. which we've been highlighting. But you use the services of ARC. So um, I went along to the talk that Yvonne gave. Um, it was actually it fell halfway between my um, halfway through my treatment, um, and it was really useful. It just really underlined and, and made clear that what I was doing was the right thing, and 
numbered, uh, sorry, answered a number of questions. Um, and then a really useful thing was that my children and um, the two youngest ones, the boys, sorry, the twins, um, attended the a Klein, what's called the Klein program, which is a program for children um, ages, I think, five to 11, um, who's, who have a significant family member going through cancer. Um, and this was really useful. It was a six-week course. Um, they came along, they spoke with therapists, they did lots of arts and crafts. Um, and one of the key things that was brilliant for them was that they met other children who were going through the same thing. So they managed to be able to talk about that. And I know they kind of made jokes about, you know, people losing their hair and so on, but also the, the, the tougher times and, and when it was tough. Um, and I know they got a lot of comfort from that and I could really see their progress and their themselves settling down and feeling much calmer having attended that course. It's okay. really, really useful. Well, uh, let, me, let me first of all say that ARC, which was so useful, as you heard in Sarah's case, um, th- their main fundraising activity has been affected. So if you want to support them, you can go onto their website, ARC Cancer Support, all one word, dot IE, or you can text ARC, just the letters ARC, to 5300 50300, and that will give four euro to the ARC service. Finally, uh, Yvonne, how long does this talk go on from? Is it just you or are there others on it? No, it's just me, Ivan. Right. Um, but um, I suppose the presentation takes uh, about an hour, but it's the discussion, actually, Ivan, that leads to the richness in, in the talk because parents or grandparents um, that, will att- that, that will zoom in will be at different stages. So often we learn more from their experience what's happened um, than what it is that I'm going to be saying. And so there will sure. be... it's a sharing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, my sincere thanks, latterly there to Yvonne O'Mara, systemic psychotherapist, uh, providing uh, absolutely vital information. And she is based at a uh, so- medical social worker at a ladies' hospital, hospice in Harold's Cross. And Sarah Hakim, a particular thank you to you for sharing your story so candidly and our delight in your recovery. And we hope you will uh, continue to enjoy good health and that of your family. Thank you. The Hard Shoulder on News Talk with Nissan. Together, let's play our part by staying apart. Nissan, innovation that excites.